Let's quickly pray. Let's stay standing. Jesus, we thank You that we can come to Your presence like this and uh, that we can worship You and that as we've drawn close to You, You draw close to us and that You can transform us in this moment. God, we also thank You um, that in this moment we can submit to You and You say as we do it, as we have a desire to do Your will, we can resist the devil and he has to flee. So we pray hedge protection around us and our children. We pray in this hedge protection, You'd minister to us and bring freedom into our life and healing into our life. And if anyone is without hope, that you draw them unto yourself in Jesus' name. Also, thank you so much that the Springboks won. Amen. Come on, let's thank Jesus. You guys can take your seats. Good morning to all. I trust that you're well. Of course, um, that Heart for the House video uh, would have played last week. Uh, that's why we said the week before we had our record attendance, which we did. And it's been incredible just to see how the church is growing. And, and the reason for that is because you guys are invitational. You're inviting. You're outward looking. Uh, you're not just doing church for yourself. Um, and you understand that God's placed you here on purpose for a purpose. So we want to honor you guys. And um, even just seeing um, our children bringing their friends, not only on Sunday, but, but that, that large number of young people not only, comes, not only comes on Sunday, but they also come on Friday to our ministry. So, so um, yeah, join us on the journey. You, you would see that we've made a change in our time. Our, our second service is at 10 and 15. The, the reason we're doing that now is that's also going to um, help us with the congestion that we've been experiencing in our car park. So, so of course, it's going to allow people to socialize a bit more, and it's going to allow people then to have a car park also when they do come at 10.15. It's also going to allow us to, to really make the most of our worship and, and, um, and of our connection time. So, so of course, we, we are going, thank you, God, for the pressure, for the growth, for the people that are coming to your house and um, give us wisdom. And so we know we need to be wise with what we've already got. And then we need to position ourselves to build God's kingdom, um, to really believe for more. So we want to encourage you to go on this journey. Can I have that God can uh, little card? You guys would see one of these. So we'll tell you more about this um, in our message. And Graham's also going to be encouraging us at the end just around uh, our God can uh, cards. But the whole culture of God can, you guys would have heard about it, is, is I, I understand um, if I do my part, and then I can see God do His part. And so I put um, what I can do into into it. So so God doesn't say fill the net. He told the disciples to throw out the net. His job was to fill it. And and so a lot of us can think I need to fill the net. No 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 no. God just says throw out the net. And for us, we know sometimes God's just asking you to pray for a friend or a colleague. God's asking you to invite somebody. God's asking you to actually build a relationship with your neighbor um, by, by actually getting to know them. And, and God, then that's how you throw the net out. And then God fills the net. And so our God can culture is understanding that God can do the impossible. And today I want to speak to you about um, the, the truth that God can save our friends, our family, um, and our, our work colleagues. God can save everyone. Acts 4 verse 11 says, Jesus is the stone 
you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Um, God, of course, saves us. Nobody else can save us. God can save us. Galatians 1 verse 4 says, Jesus gave His life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. Jesus came to pay the price for our sin. He came to rescue us. I don't know if anyone's ever lost something and it's totally distracted them. Um, I, recently, I have found that I'm losing a lot of socks. Anyone else out there have lost a lot of socks? Um, Graham has actually lost so much. And we know it's my brother-in-law, Dino, because sometimes we'll go to Bryce and Dino will just be wearing his outfit and it'll be crazy. And Graham will get totally distracted in that moment. And God's still teaching him to be generous. And so um, those clothes to Dino. But anyway... Um, my, the, my socks and, and a lot of our family socks, Leanne's socks, our children's socks, and, and more now our children's socks because they haven't picked up on this. Uh, our little puppy, um, Charlie, thinks his purpose in life is to take socks and put it in our garden. That, that's what he's doing now. And so um, we not only grow trees in our garden now, we actually have a harvest of socks, I believe, coming in Jesus' name because we're losing way too many. Uh, but the crazy thing is sometimes I'll just go out there and I'll just start looking and digging, yeah? And I'll find so many socks. Um, you know, I, I saw this special on, on uh, my favorite brand, brand Adidas socks, and I, and I bought them. And it was such a short season with those socks because, you know what I mean, they ended up disappearing. I have found them now since they've lived in my garden for a few weeks. and They look totally different and I've had them washed. And I've actually created my whole new brand of Adidas socks now, if you see me. But, but Charlie's hilarious. The one night Leanne and I, the girls in bed and we were watching a show together and Charlie showed up um, next to us. He got, he's, a, he's a little dog and he got up next to us and he put a sock next to Leanne's shoulder, and he took her hair and he covered it. Like, like, like somehow we weren't there, like we were just watching. And he, he covered the sock totally in her hair. And he was like, no, that's good enough. And he, he walked off. But he does feel that he, clearly it's a calling that he has. But, and and um, I've had to get over it that my socks get lost. And, and, but, and it can be distracting when you are like trying to find a pair of socks to put on. Um, so now I wear secret socks. He doesn't know. I'm joking, because I'm, I'm trying to keep it a secret that he doesn't find. But, um, but there are things that can distract you at a whole other level. Anyone lost keys and it's almost been the end of your life? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like you woke up, day was going well, next year, where the, key, where the keys? Where the keys? You mean like the, the stress levels, then you're missing the meeting, and then it's like, then it's like you're fighting with the whole family, because somebody in the family clearly has put the keys in the wrong place. You never did it, you know what I mean? Um, uh, I... I can't, but I don't know what you're saying with a washing machine, but anyway. Your keys. Okay, so, so, so Leanne's sister once put Graham's key, uh, keys in the washing machine. Anyway, so I can imagine the frustration. I don't even know how they would have found that. But, but has anyone ever gone out and their child's gone missing? They went down one aisle and they can't see their child. Come on, you, that's like next level stress. I've heard of families losing children where they were at a busy place and they were like going to people's prams, seeing if people hid there. Like they were just opening up 
and they were stressed. And, and when you realize, when you're in that place of that level of stress, what's found doesn't count as much. And you will do anything to find what's lost. Can we agree? Like you'll go to any level, you'll make announcements, you will ask everyone. I don't care who the person is around you. You won't know them and you'll say, hey, you, can you help me find my child? Who can help me? You'll be screaming. And, and what we realize in that moment is that that person has lost what is truly valuable. And we're actually way more forgiving, hey, in that moment, because we also want to help them. Because we would go, I don't want to ever feel what they're feeling in that moment. They have lost their child. I want to help them. Anyone seen that or been there or experienced that? I reckon the worst experience ever. What we need to understand is God feels exactly the same way about people who aren't in a relationship with Him. He sees people who are lost the same way we would see our child. He feels the same way. God is obsessed with what's lost. Luke 15 shows us lost coin, um, lost sheep, lost son. I'm not going to go into that, but, but we see God is obsessed with what's lost. God loves it that we hear, and He's blessed by this moment. But we can never be offended that after, even now He's saying, but who's not here? Who is lost? And that Scripture that He'll leave the 99 for one can almost be offensive. But we need to be confident. We're His children. We are found. We've got a loving Savior who's massive, who's, who, can, who can love us and be our Father and still be our Father while He's obsessed with what's lost. That's why, if you think about it, if Jesus got up and spoke to us and, and gave us a talk right now about, about like what's important, He would say, there is only a short time to reach what is lost. And I want to encourage you that you exist not for who is found. Enjoy it. Build a church, be healthy. But you actually exist for those who are still lost, who I want to find. And we go, oh, Jesus, that's what we represent. We your church. If we catch that, we become very strong. We become a very mature church. We're not watering down the gospel, but we go on mission. We become a praying church. We become outward looking and we go, God can't save a lost world. I'm going to do what I can do so that I can see what God can do. God, what do you want me to do? Well, throw out the net. I'll do that because I know you can fill the net. So we are chosen by God to play a part in seeing lost people saved. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, but you are the one, um, you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do His work and speak out for Him, to tell others of the night and day difference He made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. You and I have been chosen. I haven't put the scripture up, but Acts 1 verse 8 says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. God's saying, I want you to be a witness. He's not saying, I want you to be a judge. 
He's not saying if you're in a courtroom, I want you to be the jury as we see on all these movies, these American movies. He's not saying I want you to be the, the prosecutor. I don't want you to be the defense. I just would like you to be called into the room and be a witness. Well, what can you witness? Just what happened to you. That's all he's asking you to, to do in this journey of reaching lost people because he can do the impossible. God can save the world. And all he wants me to do is be a witness about what he did for me. So witnesses, sometimes they'll have a question at them that they don't know. And guess what? The witness can tell the truth. They can say, I don't know. Because their job isn't to, to always know everything. They say, they tell what they do know. You know, the, the, in the, the story in the Bible where the, that blind man sees and then the religious leaders are furious. And he's like, you know, I don't know, but what I can tell you, I was blind, but now I see. And he was a witness. That's all he was. And sometimes uh, we can overthink what being a witness is about. And, but God's so powerful. He's saying, your story is all I need. Your story is all I need. And I will bring in a harvest like you can't even believe. I can do exceedingly by above, but all I need is you to see that your story is powerful. Don't downplay it. So, so even as you see that, you end up seeing that you can actually share the hope that God can actually use your story. God can use my story. I can actually share the hope. One Peter three verse fifteen says, "But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have." So, so that's all we need to understand that God actually wants us to give the reason for the hope we have, and God can use that. You know, I don't know how you came to Christ, but I know I realized I needed Christ. And it's a simple thing, understanding, you know what I mean, your stories. When did you realize you needed Christ? I remember sitting in school, people speaking about Jesus. I grew up in a, a, a family that we went to church, but, but I never, ever sort of had, like came to that realization I needed Christ until I was 17. And, and I heard the gospel. And it's like I, I knew this is exactly what I'm looking for. I felt hopeless. I felt um, insecure about my future. I felt rudderless. And when I heard the message of the gospel, I realized I needed Christ. That's my story. And you've also got your story. You can tell them how, um, how you committed your life to Christ, how I committed my life to Christ. Well, the crazy thing was I actually sat in church for a year. I thought that, that I had to somehow change. And, and I sat in church from 17 all the way because um, I was just about to turn 18 when I came to church. And I ended up giving my, my, my life to God March um, the, of 1997. I came to the church um, around February 1996. And I never missed. And I came for a whole year and I remember giving my life and somehow I thought I needed to get better. And um, then I realized that, that 
it's only through Jesus that I'm saved. But the crazy thing was, God actually had been gracious enough to start transforming my life. Because even though I sat in church, I never missed a Sunday that whole year. I had this burning desire. It grew. At the beginning, I thought, I have to give my life to Jesus. The crazy thing is, while I was sitting there, more and more, I wanted to give my life to Jesus. And, and I, God had transformed me relationally. And, and I, I realized that, like, that actually, it's not about these rules. It's actually about a relationship with Jesus. And I wanted to have a relationship with Him. And, and, and that's how I gave my life to Him. So I don't know what your story is, but that's all you need to do. Is God wants to use your story. Of course, the, the difference He made in my life was um, in a space where I didn't have peace, where I feared, all of a sudden I had the peace of God. I, I, I totally understood that God has got me, that, that my eternity has been settled. I might not always know about today's moments that might come, but I knew my eternity was settled. And I took that hope that I had now, my eternal hope, and I brought it into my today and I started to pray. I started to trust Him for my today as well. And by God's grace, He started to actually lead me. Even when I thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this. God, by His grace, as I prayed, started to lead me. And He actually totally started to change my life. And that emptiness I felt, I didn't feel that anymore. And that waking up going, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. That was taken away as God filled me. And that's my story. And you've got a story that God wants you to tell. Of course, the other thing God actually wants us to do, and, and sometimes we can think it's a bit weird, but God wants me to share my church. Because um, God uses the church. The church is His body. The church is still the place where the most people on the planet get saved. You go, why? Well, well here's the thing. I, people who don't know Jesus know that we meet on Sundays. <laughs> They know that. So when they feel empty and lost and they don't know what to do, sometimes what happens, it happens all the time. They just go, well, I'll go on Sunday, see what they have to say. Sunday is still a powerful day and God actually wants you to share your church in the means of don't use church just for yourself. Make sure there's always enough space in your church. Or make sure there's always, and while there are people, lost people, and why um, there's a, a heaven and a hell, which will be all our life while we're here on earth, where eternity is at stake, the church will always have to be creating space for more. The church can never get comfortable and go, I think we're big enough. Um, I think there's enough people here. The church will always have to be outward looking. So we need to share our church. Luke 14 verse 23 says, go into the country and urge anyone, anyone you find to come in so that my house will be full. I think, and I've grown up in a culture where when I came to church and Graham and Jenny created a culture where I found it easy to invite people to church. And hopefully we are that church where you guys actually go, you need to come to our church. It's a great place. Everyone who goes there supports Liverpool in the Springboks. These are just some good reasons to come. People who drink coffee at View Church fall more in love with Jesus. They drink the coffee and they say, thank you, Jesus, for this coffee. Like, there's some great reasons. I'm joking, but we actually want you to, even more than those things, know that we actually got a prayer team. That, that when you guys bring friends to church, our prayer team's been praying in the week. And, we, and this morning, our prayer team, they were interceding. They were praying for you guys. Um, and they walked out of that room. And I honor our prayer team. 
And I want to let you know that you can bring people to church because we are covering them before they've even stepped in. We're praying for them. We're praying that them, and we're praying for you guys as well, but, but, but we understand God's distracted by, by lost people. So you can bring your friends and family into a church where we are trusting that God meets them personally, because that's really where things change. And so you can share your church. We want to encourage you that the best Sunday you're going to have is the day that you bring somebody to church. So yeah, um, my wife, she's probably on our staff, the, the best evangelist. She's brought more people to church over the last few years than, than anyone else. And, and we always have seen just people coming to church, um, having met her, she invites them. And what's amazing is even the, this week, like seeing people she's invited and their lives transformed and, and them going on a journey with God, that actually is so exciting. And, 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 and you really start to experience that joy once you invite somebody to church and you see them going on a personal journey with God. And, and you realize that that's actually the best Sundays. Because the cool thing about that Sunday is your prayer life will go to a whole nother level. You'll pray that the preacher up here doesn't crack bad jokes. They're not distracting. You'll pray for the worship team. You'll be praying over the coffee in Jesus' name. Please, God. Like your prayer life, because you're bringing um, so-and-so to church. You know, they say, close your eyes out of respect for anyone's making a decision. You've got your one eye open to see if the person you brought to church is going to respond to the God. But the thing is, and then you're praying for them, and then one day they respond, and your whole week you're going, thank you, God. I didn't realize that the best Sunday at church is the Sundays where I bring somebody. I want to encourage you, out of the 52 Sundays a year, to use two of them to bring somebody to church. The cool thing is, Easter and Christmas, they are like way easier shots. Because people are way more open to Easter and Christmas. But don't just, you you can pray. Let's hear, this Christmas, we're selling our Christmas experience tickets. And, and we're asking you to buy a ticket. Children under 12 come for free. And the tickets we're selling for 10 Rand, all of that money that comes from those tickets goes to um, our feeding project in for Santa Crawl. We, we got one in Danoon that Tailview will give to. We've got James House in Hart Bay. But, but it'll all go to those projects. But we want you to buy a ticket for yourself and a friend. And that friend you, uh, you pay for, that colleague or that family, pray over them. Pray. And, and I believe you'll also experience the joy of bringing some to church, praying for them, and seeing God touch their life. So the church is never there just for us. Um, we, we are part of His body. We, we are a lighthouse. Uh, we are a city on a hill. God wants to use His church. I love it. It says the end times, the church will be the highest point in the community and people will flock to it. And that's what we want to be as a church. Not for our glory, for His glory. Because we know people's eternity is at stake. So God called us on this journey. Why should we share our faith? Because this is our calling in life. Our life, um, our life's will at the beginning, before we know Jesus, is to actually come to relation with God. Once we come into relation with God, our purpose is to help other people come into relation with God. 
Because you might be sitting in this room and say, Andre, I've come into a relationship with Jesus. What's the purpose of my life? Your purpose is to share your story. Your purpose is to carry the gospel. And God does not, has not made a mistake with you. He knows exactly where you work. He knows the work colleagues are going to put around you. Children, He knows which classroom He's going to place you in. And He's placed you on purpose for a purpose. It's part of your calling. Number two, it's because people need the Lord. People need Jesus. Of course, people can't go to heaven without Jesus. That's what Scripture says. So, so we're not playing. People's eternity is at stake. And so I've seen it that, that people, and I believe it, people who are not in relationship with Jesus, you know, I find that they, they haven't got peace. And so people need Jesus. The other thing is because people, I believe they want Jesus. Without God, people don't have peace. And without God, people can end up being miserable. I've seen it. They're rudderless. And they need Jesus. He is the anchor. John 10 verse 10, I come so that people can have real and eternal life, more and better than they ever dreamt of. And we see people are going, why has my life ended up like this? Why is my marriage here? Why am I struggling like this? It's because you need Jesus. You were made for a person. His name is Jesus. You were made for a place. It is heaven. You have got a God-shaped hole. If you try to fill it with some other thing, it's never going to satisfy you. Your career is a blessing. Your family is a blessing. Living in this beautiful place is a blessing. But it won't be your salvation. Your salvation is in Jesus. You need Jesus. You'll only ever have the peace when you get Jesus into your heart. So we're called to share our story because God can transform people's lives. Why do we share our story? Because we understand we were once lost. Because I was once, I once was lost. Somebody prayed for me. Crazy thing is I, the, um, uh, I was in, um, in, uh, in matric and, and a few of the youth from View Church, youth pastors would come and they would actually connect with us. And uh, we would play sports and we'd play touch rugby uh, on the beach. And, and these guys would then invite us. And it was uh, Paul Van Collar and Stephen Mills and Paul and Marinette now, of course, uh, live in George and they started the Zambia Project. But they just invited us to church. They prayed over us. And I remember the one guy, actually, um, he would just actually be generous to us. He was actually super kind. I actually said this to Jesus. I said, if that's a Christian, then I want to be one. Because he was so generous to me. And you know what? As I've freely received, I need to freely give. I have to remember that I used to be that guy somebody was praying for. They say, I remember hearing this, they say sometimes you need to write a letter to that person who invited you to church or prayed for you or that family member. And once you write that letter, you have to remember that you can one day be what that person was to you, to someone else. Sometimes you need to remember that somebody prayed for you, that somebody invited you so that you can, of course, overflow. And even as you do that, God will start to transform your life and He will start to use you. 
God's placed you on purpose for a purpose. He's not made a mistake with you. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Psalm 37 verse 23. He actually has ordered your steps. He's placed you in this community. He's placed you at the job you're in. He's, he's placed you in the street you're in. You know what I mean? You're going, uh, maybe I need to be a missionary for God. You are a missionary. You are a missionary to Dromedara Street. You're whatever street. You are the missionary on that street. You're the missionary at that workplace. And God can use you. You just simply tell your story. God's placed you on purpose. God saved you with somebody else in mind. He saved you. Now He wants you to open up your eyes to see that He's obsessed with what is lost and He saves you with somebody else in mind. I remember working um, in marketing and the place was truly far from God. Like the place was crazy. And, and I remember then uh, we were recording albums for the church and I would bring it um, and, and, and I used to do this deliberately. I used to actually buy um, muffins and donuts and, and bring it in um, in the morning, put it there by the coffee and because your gift makes room for you. After a while, guys would speak to me, get to know me. What do you do this week? And I recorded, we record another album. Oh, they want to hear it. So I started playing it because the guys asked, can we, yes, play it in the office. It was so funny because they, they don't want to, like, you know, they don't, they're all like Mainos. So they don't want to like make it sound like they think this Christian music is good, but they do think it's good. So they would like swear and tell me it's good. Like, you know, like, you know. And, but I wasn't there to try to get them to stop swearing or that. I knew that I was there to be a gift for God. And so as some of them actually say, hey, I need an album like that. And I knew our music was a right. There were way better albums out there. So I bought the better albums at the Christian bookstore and I used to give it to them. And, and it's crazy is I used to, I used to give them and people. I, I remember a Muslim lady um, she, she wanted worship, gave it to her. And after six months of listening to worship, the one day she came to me and says, I want to let you know, I've actually given my life to Jesus. But, but it was just going, I placed you on purpose for a purpose. And it wasn't me standing up in the office shouting the gospel down. You guys are going to hell. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I was like, no, no. It was sharing donuts. <laughs> you, you know what else I did was I actually learned that if you ever hear of stress, when no one's around you, say, hey, I heard you're stressing about that. Can I pray for you? That's all I did. And so I used to use that simple connection. And, and I used to say, hey, can I pray for you? Then guys would be like, yeah. Then the next day I'd ask, how have been praying? How's it going? The next week, how's it going? So guys started getting breakthrough. And the one guy, I remember sitting in my office, he came to me and he said, I know you pray for some of the guys. I'll let you know this, this has been the worst experience. This is hurting my marriage. And I'd actually seen that in the office. A lot of people's marriages were under attack in that space. And they got caught up in a lot of stupid stuff. And so I said to him, I'm going to pray for you. Like you see, I was like 21. So I'm, like I'm not married or anything. I said, I'm going to pray for you. But I said, I'm going to be a bit bold. If I was you, I would tell you what I'd do. He said, what? I said, I'd get out of this office right now. I said, I would trust God for a new job, a job that's going to bless my marriage. But I said, this place, I've seen way too many marriages break up in this place. I've only been here for 18 months. I said, I'd get out of here. The crazy thing was, I never saw that guy again. <laughs> so I went out doing a year to serve a church the following year, and I'm playing touch rugby on Big Bay Beach. And I'm playing touch rugby, and all of a sudden, I hear, Andre, Andre. I said, and, and it's him. And he says, and I came off the touch rugby team and my side started to lose. Anyone know I'm joking? But, um, but 
I, I said, I, was, he said, I know we never got to chat. Remember that advice? He said, I left. I said, I know, I never saw you again. He says, it's crazy is, my wife and I decided to go to church. I got a job and my marriage is so healthy. I want to thank you for being bold enough to say that to me. And, and you know what? I never knew me just being bold enough and praying for him because I actually knew I, like I needed to warn him about the danger that he was in. And God actually used it. And it was just a prayer, but God wants to use you. When you're in people's space and they're drowning, lift them up. Don't try to talk them underwater. Like sometimes that's what we do. Hey, stop drowning. How does, people, how does a person stop drowning? You need to lift them up. We're not here to tell people how bad they swim. We need to lift people up. And sometimes your attitude will lift people up. If you've got an attitude of everything's going wrong, you'll struggle to share the message of Christ. <laughs> if you're always negative, you'll struggle to share the gospel, the good news. And we need to focus on Jesus. I'm not saying keep your head in the sand. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray, but we need to keep our eyes on Jesus because if we let Him be our focus, we will carry the message totally differently and we'll be keep our eyes lifted to where our help comes from and we will be able to lift people up. Why do we need to share this message? Because there's a problem. We've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6 verse 23 says, The wage of sin is death. Of course, we can't pay with our lives. Jesus dies for us. That's why it says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So we have a problem. We've got a bill to pay. And the rest of the planet also has to pay that. What's the solution? God demonstrates His love towards us. That in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 14 verse 6, Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that's the problem. There's the solution. What's the response? John 1 verse 12. But to all who believed in Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. Other Scripture says, those who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. Other Scripture says that as we confess we sinners, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. We are carrying the ultimate solution to the world's problems. Jesus is the answer. And all He wants you to do is be a witness of how He's changed your life. Do you want to close your eyes quickly? Maybe even as I've spoken, you need to receive Jesus as your Saviour. You've realised that you never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Maybe you've realised you, you've never asked Him to save you, to be the leader and Lord of your life. Where you, You're not saying, I'm, I'm the leader of my life. You're saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. If that's you, I'd love to lead you in a confession where if you might be coming back to God, maybe you've drifted and you're saying, I need to come back to God this morning. If that's you and you're saying, include me in that prayer, give me a wave. Saying, Andre, I actually need to pray that prayer. I need to receive Jesus as my Savior. If that's you, just give me a wave. You know God speaks to you this morning. God bless you. Anyone else? Saying, that's me. Okay, let's pray together. Let's do it as a church family. Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. Thank you that you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. I confess that you are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. 
because of this confession and this belief, the Bible says that I'm saved. Jesus, be the Lord of my life, the leader of my life. Amen.